You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to more of the Greeks Gridiron. I am Ethan Hersedulu, and today on this May 27th, 2022, we are going through all four of the USFL matchups for week number seven. We are getting very close to the end of the season. They just announced their new USFL playoff logo. We it's we're getting close. We're getting close, and it's hard to believe. I remember, you know, just a month prior to the league even starting, when we really started to ramp up talking about things and all the news that kept coming out about it regarding you know lawsuits and what they were going to do with the league and the draft and everything like that. And we're rolling through in the back half of the season now at week. Seven. We got a couple of interesting, really interesting matchups, a couple of games that might be complete blowouts. We'll get into all of it. So make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, comment down below. Let me know who you guys think is going to come out winners here in week number seven. What are some of your favorite matchups? What players do you think are going to have monster games this week and lead their team to victory? We'll start things off with the very first game of the week. This one is tomorrow, Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, an afternoon game between the New Jersey Generals and the Tampa Bay Bandits. This one I have labeled as the game of the week, as it is probably going to be the most competitive of them all, at least just by looking at it on paper. Now, you have the Generals, who are 5-1, and one, coming off a five-game winning streak right now. They have not lost since that Week 1 battle uh, with the uh, Birmingham Stallions. And then the Tampa Bay Bandits, who are coming off of a upset loss to the Philadelphia Stars. Now, the Generals come into this game at minus four favorites, and the over-under is sitting at 42.5. This is a game that I could see the over being hit, just because of both teams' ability to move the ball, especially as we've gone through... The last few weeks, I feel like offensively, the Bandits are starting to pick things up a little bit. They did lose by scoring 28 points last week because the Stars were able to put up 35. And the Generals have been consistently able to put up a fair amount of points. I feel like they're consistently crossing over the 20-point margin. So they're doing a pretty good job putting up points as well. So this is a game where like, if you were going to bet on over-unders, I think the over makes a lot of sense for this game here. As for the Generals being minus four favorites... I, would I bet the spread on that? I don't necessarily know. Like I always tell everyone, I am no gambling advisor or anything like that. Uh, generals at minus four, though, that's that's not bad. I could see the game being within, uh, or uh, I could see the Generals winning by four in this one here, and we'll talk about that with my final score. But, I mean, you look at what the Generals are doing. They are tied for first in preventing turnovers. They only have six so far on the season. The Bandits, they don't turn the ball. They don't force turnovers at all. They only have three on the year. That's eighth in the league. I mean, there's just quite a, quite a mismatch going up on here. I will say, though, for the Generals, they do need to focus on bringing the pressure here. As I mentioned, the offense of the Bandits, especially recently, is really starting to pick up. Jordan Tayamu's starting to get the ball rolling here. The Generals need to get pressure, and they need to not only bring pressure, but bring Jordan Tayamu down. The Generals have a total of only five sacks on the season so far this year. That's eighth in the league. So they definitely need to bring the pressure here and try to slow down the aerial attack. Luckily for them, though, the Bandits' ground game, not necessarily the most effective of the entire league. They're at sixth with about 93 yards a game, so it's not too threatening for them. So they can really focus and game plan on their pass rush and how they plan on handling Jordan Tayamu and the wide receiver company they have there. If they can hold back the passing game, 
I think that they have a really good shot at winning this one here and advancing to six and one. That's probably going to be the biggest key to success. Uh, the running game, like I said, shouldn't be too big of a threat. It's more or less just can they slow down Jordan Tayamu and the people around him and can they get after the quarterback as they have not really been able to. If they protect the football like they have been and they do that, I have a firm belief that the generals should have a good opportunity in winning this game. Now, as for the banders, the banders, excuse me, the bandits, up and down season for them. Like I mentioned, coming off that loss to the stars, their defense has not been great. So it's going to put them in a tough spot to win this game. They're allowing about 309 yards a game, which is sixth in the league compared to the generals who are the best in yards per game at 365. So it's going to be a tough and tall task for the bandits to slow down the generals here, who it seems like they can move the ball any way they need to, whether it's through the air or through the ground, you give it to somebody and they were going to be making plays there. So going to be tough for them and couple that with the fact that on third downs, this bandits defense is not great. They allow a third down conversion on 34% of plays that is sixth in the league. So defensively, this game, it's going to come down to what they can do. I don't really think that, you know, you have to look at the offense and say, all right, the offense is going to be what wins this game here. I think you need to look at the Bandits' defense and some of their deficiencies and what they've been doing and or not doing, I guess you should say. And they need to be the ones that really make a statement here and slow down a general's offense that has been fairly efficient throughout the entirety of the year. Whether it's through the air or through the ground, uh, the generals are, are rolling either way. They can get it done you know, whether it's behind Lewis Perez or if it's DeAndre Johnson or if they're they're focusing on one of their running backs, whoever it may be, they can get it done one way or another. I will say this, though. It has been looking good so far for their passing game, and I think that if Jordan Tayamu has another big game, it will give them a shot. I, I mentioned the ground game. It's not really anything too crazy there. But, I mean, Tayamu's been looking good the last couple of weeks. He has 540 yards, average of 65% completions. He has six touchdowns to one interception in the last two games. So if he continues to play big and does a good job protecting the football here, they do have a shot. It's Like I said, this is going to be a close game. I really think it will be. Um, as for like when we were talking about the, uh, the spread here with Generals minus four, I do think it's something that is possible. It doesn't seem too unrealistic, the Generals winning by a count of four or more. I do actually have the Generals winning this game at 28 to 20. So like I said, I do like the over here. I have a point total of 48 points altogether. Both of these teams could realistically be good for 20 plus points as we've seen the generals and we've seen the bandits do on a couple of occasions at least. So I do like the generals in this game here, 28 to 20. I like the over here as well. Should be a good game. I'm really looking forward to this one here. It's a good matchup. You have, you know, really big defense going up against a high powered offense. It should be very interesting to watch. Hopefully the bandits can kind of muster something together defensively, because if not, there is a good shot. The generals, if they can shut down the passing attack, run away with this game here. And I don't want to see that for the bandits. They've been having a, they came in the league as like one of the best teams or whatnot. And everyone was really high on them. And they've been on quite a roller coaster of season I guess you could say going into game number two we're looking at the New Orleans Breakers sitting at four and two up against the Michigan Panthers who are one and five this is prime time 9 p.m eastern time on a Saturday night the Breakers are minus five and a half favorites which I think is fairly reasonable and then I also see that the over under is sitting at 41 and a half uh, and and make note these obviously might change by the time you guys see this so this, those lines and numbers are always moving but um uh, the Breakers, they added Shea Patterson this week. He is on the inactive roster, though, so he's not even going to be a factor in this game. I assumed it was insurance for Kyle Sloter because I know he's been banged up dealing with the groin injury and whatnot, and he's also had a couple other things going on as well, but he's inactive for the game. So they brought him. He's in there for depth. Uh, but it does not seem like he's going to be, you know, coming in for Kyle Sloter at all in this game if anything's going on and, you know, he, he can't go. He can't go. Uh, it sounds like they'll, they'll just look to Smith if they need to. 
Uh, the, the Breakers, though, aside from adding Shea Patterson, last week, for the first time since week three, they were able to get a sack, which is good. The first couple of weeks of this year were like insane for the pass rush of the Breakers. And then after that, like fell off a cliff. You went from having 10 sacks through the first two weeks to one sack in week three, none in four and five, and then you finally got one again in week number six. They need to get back to that, and they need to bring the pressure here against the Panthers, who have had a very up-and-down struggling group when it comes to throwing the football. You now have, I believe, Josh Love and Paxton Lynch are the two quarterbacks over there in Michigan. So with that in mind, if whoever ends up being QB1 this week is you know uncomfortable, the Panthers' offense pretty much runs through the ground game. If you can eliminate the passing game, you make them one-dimensional, you know it's coming. And, you know, the Breakers have been pretty solid against the run. I would say so myself. Uh, the Maulers, just last week, off 32 carries, they only managed 83 yards. And the Maulers, they want to be a run-first offense, and they, they, they appear to be a run-first offense, but they couldn't really get much done. Uh, the Breakers are going to want to have that same amount of success if they want to be able to beat this team. As we all know, the Panthers, they lead, or excuse me, they are second in the league with 157 yards a game on the ground, and they also have eight rushing touchdowns as well. So you want to be able to eliminate the ground game, but if you can at least make them one-dimensional and you know what they're doing, I think that would really work in the favor of the Breakers here. Sloter plays a clean game if he's the one starting. If the running game goes to work like it did last week, they had 173 yards, averaged 4.3 yards a carry, a couple of touchdowns. There's a real a real good opportunity that the Breakers come out of this game here 5-2, and two, and that definitely feels like the most likely scenario, but who knows? We've seen some crazy things here in the USFL. The Panthers, though, obviously coming off another uh, fourth-quarter collapse. It just seems like things, you know, can never really go well when the, you know, the minutes are winding down. They were in it, though. I want to give them credit. I gave them credit when I was doing the power rankings, but, I, you know, I want to reiterate that. They were in it with that, in that game with the Stallions, and they were, you know, it's unfortunate to see what keeps happening to the Panthers here, but it's just, it's becoming a thing now. So going to be a tall test for them. They're going up against the Breakers defense, who is first in points per game allowed at only 16.5, tied for first, excuse me, uh, while they're averaging only about 17 points a game on offense for the, for the Panthers themselves. Going to be a tough game to really put up some big numbers here. Um, the, the managing turnovers is also another thing. The Panthers turned the ball over like mad. They have 11 so far this year. It's worse in the league. And with Patterson gone now, hopefully for them, maybe that turns around a little bit. Patterson did have a handful of fumbles and interceptions that totaled out for a large amount of the amount of turnovers that they've had. I think what's going to be best for the Panthers in this game is really just whoever's playing quarterback for them, because I honestly don't know at this point. Whoever's playing quarterback at them, if they can minimize the amount of throws that they need to be putting through the air, don't turn the ball over in the minimal opportunities you give them. And they lean on Reggie Corbin and the rest of this running back room to really just pound the rock and go up against, again, a breakers defense that's pretty solid in the run game. It's probably going to be the best recipe for success for them. I just don't really know if you can trust you know, the passing attack to really open things up for them. If Paxton Lynch, though, is the starter, that could, that could change. He's got a big arm. He looked fairly good in like the one and a half drives he got to play a few weeks ago. So if the Panthers were willing enough to let go of Shea Patterson, I'm assuming that Paxton Lynch is going to be potentially the one that goes. I don't know if, if it's going to be Josh Love. We'll have to see. But I mean, 
lean on the ground game and whoever your quarterback is, you know, if as long as you trust him, like let him throw. But if you're worried about it, just try to minimize the amount that he has to do in the game and lean on your running backs who have been very successful so far this season. I have the breakers winning this game. I think, you know, they should come out of this game winners here. I have them winning 24 to 16, which does put me at the under for this game. I know the breakers offense has been a little bit slower the last few weeks. They just put up 27 last week. And the week prior to that, I think they only had 17, if I'm not mistaken, when they lost. So I have them winning 24 to 16. I'm at the under here. It's a total of 40 points. The over-under is at 41 and a half. This one is kind of like, I wouldn't bet the over-under on this one here because it could go one of two ways. And so it's, I mean, they're all 50-50 at the end of the day, I guess, per se, but because you only get over or under, but this is one that I think is a lot closer than other games when it comes to that over-under there. Breakers at minus five and a half. That is definitely something that I feel is fairly possible that one you know feels feels like it would make sense to me here i expect as as i have them here winning by eight i expect them to win somewhat handedly if all goes well for them now going into game number three we are looking at the birmingham stallions taking on the pittsburgh maulers stallions obviously six and oh whereas the maulers are sitting at one and five this game is at 2 p.m on uh 2 p.m eastern time excuse me not on eastern time eastern time uh, I don't really have a ton to say about this game. When I was going through my sh- my show prep for this, I mean, the Birmingham Stallions are 6-0. and No matter who is starting for them at quarterback, at running back, on the defensive side of the football, someone steps in and steps up for this team, and they get the job done week in and week out. This is the Stallions game to lose. They are minus 12 and a half favorites here, nearly two full touchdowns as favorites in this game the over under sitting at 41 and a half and i think it hits the over if the stallions really start to roll over the maulers here i think the maulers are probably good for somewhere in the teens score wise the over being hit is really going to matter on just how much the stallions can put up on the maulers in this game Uh, but this is really the stallions game to lose i've got to say now i will say this I don't, as obvious of favorites the Stallions are in this game, I don't know how much I like that minus 12 and a half, and I'll get into that in a second, but that's that just seems like an awfully wide margin, and I don't think we've really, I mean, I guess we did. I guess the Stallions, they won by, what is it, 33 to 17 last week? I guess, you know, they did win by a margin bigger than that. I think that's the one time, aside from when the Breakers completely rolled the Bandits back in like week two, what like did we really have any that any score margins like that were very significantly wide a lot of the games have come down to like one possession or less so i'm not a really big fan of the massive spread that they have on this one here for the maulers though been a tough season offense has scored a league low seven touchdowns altogether i didn't even know that until i was putting together this video and when i read that when i was going through the st- like the, the statistics and i saw that that was the number that they were at i was like god damn it's it's worse than i thought so uh defense has been average statistically their best shot to win realistically protect the football funny enough for all the struggles that they've had they don't turn the ball over a ton they only have six turnovers on the year which is tied for first i think you know if you want to have any shot at winning this game vadley needs to look more like week five vadley than week six you need to get bailey gaither involved and run the ball with london i like london a lot more than i do groshek and so i think that they need to you know steady ground game Vadley needs to protect the ball and he needs again to look better than he did last week he needs to look like the week the first week that he played and then just don't turn the ball over and get Bailey Gaither involved I think he's their best receiver and he he does really well when he's given the opportunities so he's probably going to give them the best shot 
Overall, though, I have the Stallions winning. I have them winning 30 to 18. So they do hit the over in my prediction here. And the Stallions do only win by 12. I think they're going to win somewhat significantly. Do I think that they're going to cross like 13, 14 points? Potentially. There's definitely a potential for that to be there because things could get really out of hand, especially if the Maulers come with a horrible offensive game plan. And... I hate to keep knocking them for that, but I just do not like what they do on offense at all. Uh, I do think this game can get out of hand, but I do have the Stallions winning by only 12. I, like I said, I just don't know. The, the games have not really been won or lost by such massive margins. There's only been a handful of games that have gone beyond like the one score margin. So I like 30 to 18. I think that's a good score line for the game and something that seems fairly realistic. It would be a massive upset. This is a trap game for the Stallions here. It is their game to lose, and it would be a massive upset if the Stallions do not come out winners, considering everything that they've dealt with, with um, an illness that ran through the team and just people missing time from games and whatnot. The Stallions need to come out winners here in this game. Then for the final matchup, the Philadelphia Stars taking on the Houston Gamblers. The Stars coming off a massive upset win last week over the Bandits in dominating fashion, putting up 35 points against them, whereas the Houston Gamblers are sitting at 1-5 and and continue to just completely disappear offensively. They did not have an offensive touchdown last week. The only score that they had came off of a fumble return for a touchdown. I guess my big question for the Gamblers is, are we going to see them play offense the second week, or excuse me, the second half? Uh, The biggest issue for them really has been that. Their offense will roll the first half. They'll put up 17, 20-some-odd points, and then nothing the second half. I talked about this in the Power Rankings video, whether it's just them poorly adjusting to second-half calling from the defense and what, what have you. I don't know what it is, but they have got to get something going offensively in the second half they can win last week if they just scored a single touchdown but instead they let the generals hold the ball for like damn near 16 minutes in a row they like they blocked the field goal and then gave the ball right back incredible stuff incredible stuff if they if their defense just continues to do what it's doing it statistically they're not the greatest but they are as aggressive as they come they're first in the league with 14 takeaways they are opportunistic they can force a mistake or two especially for someone like case cookus who has done a good job protecting the football since he stepped in for brian scott mark thompson he needs to just feast he needs to eat he needs to do what he does best continue to have run the ball 179 yards a game are what the stars are allowing week to week on the run D this is a game where Mark Thompson should be trying to push for 200 yards and like two scores maybe three he should be having a hat trick this week not Colburn uh but that's probably going to be the recipe for success Thorson plays clean if he can just keep his turnovers down O-line keeps him protected Thorson is uh he's I think the least sacked quarterback out of everybody who's been starting he only he's all he himself has only been sacked twice I think the I think altogether the gamblers have allowed four which I think is still the league low anyways but I know for a fact Thorson's only been touched two times and well not touched but taken down two times they keep him protected and Tom Thompson is a force there is there is a opportunity there is a there is a roadmap to how you come out of this game winners for the stars Big statement win last week. They dropped 35 points. I think that's the most so far this year because the the breakers were sitting at 34, I believe, as the highest prior to that. So 35 points. The offense, when it can run and pass, is awesome. 
it's very clear that Case Cookus, he knows what he's doing, <clears throat> and he's doing a really good job. I will, I like, I want to shout him out because the Stars went from having Brian Scott, and everyone thought, oh my God, like he's gone for the season. Well, they're screwed. No, in comes Case Cookus, doesn't really turn the ball over, scores touchdowns, makes some pretty good throws. And then last week, we see this running game come to life where Colburn has three touchdowns and like 140 yards or something like that. I mean, if they can just find a balance, this Stars offense can hang with the rest of them. 100% believe that. It's the defense, though, that really is the problem here, especially that run defense. You're going up against Mark, against Mark Thompson, and like I said, if the Gamblers want to win, they're focusing on Mark Thompson this game. If the Stars want to win on defense, they're focusing on Mark Thompson this game because they know that they can force turnovers with, with Thorson throwing the football through the air. He's had his weeks where you know he's looked good, and he's had weeks where he has not looked good. They need to capitalize on just you know playing really good run D and when they have the opportunity to get a pick or two off Thorson, whatever it may be, but offensively really good team defense needs to just show up. The gamblers are known for beating themselves. I like the stars winning this game. The stars are minus four and a half favorites. That's definitely something that I think is realistic here and something that would be worth maybe targeting. If you're going to bet the spread over under is sitting at 43 and a half. This is one that I think could cross the over as well. I actually have the game sitting at, what is this, 27 to 17. I have the Stars winning the game. That point total there puts you at, what, 37, 44 points altogether. So I am just above the over. This is another game where I think the over is possible. I don't necessarily think for sure it's going to happen here. But, I mean, if, like, the Stars get rolling, and and the Gamblers could even be good for, like, 20-something points, too. They've put it up a handful of times already this season, plus 20. So I could definitely see the Stars, you know, 27 to 17, 27 to 20, something like that, even 27, 23. I could definitely see something like that. So over is definitely possible here. Um, I just have the scoreline right above at 44. So I do like the over on this one here. It's definitely something I could see possibly happening. But Stars 27-17, they come out winners Sunday afternoon, 6 p.m. against the Gamblers. Hopefully the Gamblers can bring some offense in the second half because realistically that's the only thing that's that's held the gamblers back all season long is just this inability to do anything on offense during the second half of play because they have such good players like they do they do a lot really well watch the first half of gambler games and you're you're super impressed and then you watch the second half and they can't score more than 10 i don't know and more often than not it feels like it's not even them scoring on offense it's like the defense with the fumble last week if they if they don't if they don't recover that fumble for a touchdown they don't have any points in the second half last week Offense needs to get rolling for the gamblers there. But that is my pick for the final game and for all four games altogether for this week's USFL matchups. Again, let me know in the comment section down below. Who do you think is coming out winners? Who's going to be a loser? And then playoffs are coming up soon. Let's start predicting. Who do you guys think is going to be making the playoffs? Right now, if I had to guess, I mean, there's, uh, there's, <laughs> I hate to say this, but only like five teams really in the running right now for playoff spots. You have the Generals, the Bandits, you have the Breakers, you have the Stallions, and then you have the Philadelphia Stars. There's three teams sitting at one and five right now that I don't really think are have shown us anything to believe that there's going to be some crazy turnaround where they can go, you know, 100% wins the rest of the, of the season and potentially knock a team or two out of the playoffs. I think it's going to be a five-team race at this point here barring some any or like some sort of unforeseen comeback drive by any of these teams 
But uh, let me know. Who do you guys think is going to be making the playoffs here? We'll have playoff predictions sooner rather than later. So be aware and on the lookout for that. I'll probably be posting something like that fairly soon as well. But that's it for me, you guys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a good Friday, and I will see you guys next time.